everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Thurston County, Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Nenhauser, a uh, Hawk blogger, and we are ready for uh, episode number 81 of Real Hawk Talk. It is the, is it Thanksgiving Eve? Is that a thing that people say? Um, it, is the, it is the night before Thanksgiving. I uh, hope that everybody is ready to do their, their uh, whatever their Thanksgiving tradition is. Um, uh, I know folks have varied ones. Uh, let me bring in the fellas because we've got tons to cover. Um, we've got a nine and two Seahawks team that just went in and pretty much, you know, dominated feels like too strong of a word, but never had a problem with the Eagles. Um, and, uh, are about to face an eight and three Vikings team that, that, uh, really could determine the rest of the season. So, uh, a ton to cover. Uh, let's start, um, bringing in, uh, at Evan Hill, S E A on Twitter, Evan, how you doing, dude? I am doing well. I am preparing my body for an ultimate stuffing tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. Very good. Very good. I, I, there's going to be some interesting player conversations tonight. Um, and you're going to be central to some of those. So player uh, conversations. What's that? You said player conversations? Player conversations. There's a few players that are going to come up tonight. Um, you won't know where they're coming from, but they're going to come up. Okay. Uh, Jeff, the beautifully quaffed, handsomely uh, shorn Jeff Simmons. Uh, looking good, dude. At Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. 
what are you doing tomorrow? Are you just like, you know, having, you know, what, what would be a Canadian dish on American Thanksgiving? Uh, so technically there's a separate day for Canadian Thanksgiving in like early October. Right. And Is it however, y- yeah, it's like that. And so I am self-employed. So I decided a couple years ago, I'm going to celebrate American Thanksgiving every year. So I shut down my business <laughs> on American Thanksgiving and I watch all the games and I get together usually with a couple of friends and we like to order like ribs and sometimes like fried chicken something like that usually ribs i'm not a big turkey guy i'm on evan's side so i celebrate the holiday i think it's probably the best holiday out there and i'm jealous that i don't have it that is not what i expected here though. that's pretty cool is, is that is are you the only one that does that or do you know other folks on the, the canadian side i know other folks who are jealous and wish they could take the day off but usually i end up meeting with some friends for the second game of the day and but I work for myself and I can work remotely. So if I need to work during the bears lions game tomorrow with like five backup quarterbacks, I'm okay to do that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. We'll we'll get into so much more about the Seahawks, but I do have to bring up about the games tomorrow. It's weird to me that like everybody has got the saints just as a surefire bet over the Falcons in Atlanta when Atlanta like just beat the saints in new Orleans and I don't know about you guys, but I've always noticed over the years that new Orleans and Atlanta games, no matter which team is really good, they're always close. Like even when the Falcons went to the super bowl, the saints were really bad and the saints beat them and vice versa. And it seems to always be that way. So I don't know that anyone's talking about it, but I'm going to be watching that game and I'm not sure that the Falcons won't necessarily, uh, do us a little favor tomorrow. So that's that's something definitely worth cheering for. Um, last, but certainly not least, Nathan Ernst, at NathanE11 on Twitter, the man, the myth, the data nerd, the optimist, the pessimist, he is everything in between. Welcome to the show, dude. I, I've long maintained, I plot a steady course and you guys are just all over the place. I'm a realist. That's all. Not pessimist, not optimist. You don't succumb to emotion? No, not often. I try not to. <laughs> so we've got we've got a, um, a lot of questions that have come in from our patrons. So folks that don't know, uh, you know, obviously we, we donate all a, a bunch of money to charity every year. We're well on track to uh, meeting our goal this year of a minimum of 10,000 donated to charity, hopefully get up to 20. Um, and I think we'll hopefully get there. And so um, we take Patreon questions um, uh, during the show. Got a list. We're going to go through those a little bit later. We also do take um, super chat questions. Um, it doesn't mean we will get to all of them. Patreon questions do take priority, um, as those are folks that are supporting us each and every month. And we really, really appreciate it. But if you are in the super chat and you have a question, we will try to uh, uh, tackle it. And on that note, I think it's a very good place to start because Dalton, uh, Dalton V has joined in the super chat and asked, I think the question of the hour, I think this is what everybody on Seahawks Twitter has been talking about today. It is the most important thing for us to, to start this 81st episode of Real Hawk Talk about. What do you guys think of the uniform combination for Monday? I was trying to imagine all the different ways this was 
gonna go. I didn't know if it was gonna be an Ezekiel Ansa brag or a Malik Turner brag, or if there really was some breaking news <laughs> that I had missed today, and I was like, oh shit, I'm unprepared. Wait for it. Those are coming. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've got for folks that haven't seen it, they're going with the the first time, right? This is the first time they've done this uniform combination. They're going with. What do they call the green? It's not rave green because that's Sounders. Uh, action green. Action green. That's right. Action green on their blue pants. Look, some of us who will remain unnamed might own one of these terrible, awful, really bad jerseys. And they are terrible and they are awful and they are really bad. But just like, like announcers, like NFL announcers are widely terrible, but the ones that you can just tell like have a passion for the game and have a boldness about them. Like I kind of like Booger McFarlane. Like he's a complete bozo. <laughs> Man, is he a complete, like he just is a complete bozo. Like he leans into it. And so I, I think we should celebrate the Seahawks just leaning into a trash uniform and a trash uniform combo we should appreciate the boldness they're trying things she given the space to experiment it's incredibly upsetting that they have that they're doing this before they've done like a 1980s throwback but go for it man hey and let me jump in real quick nathan i'm okay with the seahawks experimenting and getting a little risque but does it have to be in a primetime game? Could it be? Could it be like a like a ten a.m. game that nobody's gonna watch against like the Browns? Does it have to be against an eight and three Vikings team? Is this the right choice? Is this the right timing? I love that you think it's risque. <laughs> That's the best description. <laughs> I say, be proud, be bold, let it all hang out, let the world see your action green in your closet, like, just go for it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there are a lot of, you, there are a lot of great jerseys to own. Um, a action green Jersey is the best. Um, and there's only certain people that are able to pull it off and other people that just wish they could. So I, I do understand. I understand where you're coming from, you know, and Nathan, you are, you're a much larger gentleman than me. You're like six foot 10 or something. And like, uh, you know, it's a lot of torso to cover with action green. So, you know, if I wear action green planes will like detour <laughs> around. Like, <laughs> You you may be mistaken for a crossing guard. It's possible uh, if, if you were to wear action green. So, um, I do, I do, I, I want to get into talk about the Seahawks and actual football. I can't go there quite yet. I, I have to know. We've talked about Jeff and what he's eating tomorrow. Um, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love it. I love the food. I love the fact that, you know, you're with family a lot of times, hopefully. Um, and I love the fact that family is totally dysfunctional and effed up and like something weird always happens and there's weird feelings and all that. I, I like love all of that stuff. So um what is your top seed thanksgiving food it could be the main course or it can be a side dish what is the first thing that you make sure is available to you every thanksgiving nathan we'll start with you oh uh i'm gonna take a minute to brag because i made my first 
turkey this year. Uh, I followed the Aaron Franklin video recipe. Uh, so I, I brined it ahead of time. I smoked it about halfway through. I put literally a pound of butter on top of the turkey, wrapped it in foil, let it go. Uh, I'm typically in the, the turkey is wildly overrated uh, camp, but this turkey was pretty damn good. And I did a practice turkey on Saturday and I've been, we ate turkey sandwiches for like three or four days. We had turkey today. It was still delicious. I'm not turkeyed out. So uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to brag on my turkey a little bit and say this, this year, that was my, the highlight for me. Wow. Yeah. I didn't expect a past tense take, but I like it. I like it. Oh yeah. So I also did an early Thanksgiving with the in-laws today. We're not actually doing anything tomorrow. We're just going to hang out, watch football and take it easy, which I'm ecstatic about. So yeah, weird Thanksgiving for me, but it's been good. Interesting. All right, Evan, what what is your terrible take on food today? (laughs) Well, I'm going to start by prefacing that most of Thanksgiving food is actually not that good. And that's really not a hot take. That's really not a hot take. It's just, there's not many exceptionally good Thanksgiving foods. Like I, in my opinion, like Christmas Eve, like feasts are better than Thanksgiving food. They're like the Thanksgiving, they're not really. In not my opinion, really. They're the same, except you swap like a turkey for a ham. There's a lot more sugar and a lot more bread for Christmas Eve feasts. See, I think you're just doing Thanksgiving wrong. I think that's the moral of this story. <laughs> well, I I, me... I I don't do Christmas dinner, so I can't speak to that as much. But like the lack of sugar, have you had a sweet potato casserole? Sweet potatoes are bad. With... They're literally candy, like with pecan <laughs> and like and, can't have pecan. Sugar and crumble. Like can't have really? pecan. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're not got. You've got nut issues. Yeah, I can't. That's I can't eat right. pecan pie. Everybody talks about pecan pie being amazing. Can't tell you if it's not. Or you just is. had your pie rankings come out. Yeah, and I stuck pecan pie in there. If you notice, <laughs> it's notice. only and it's only because my wife absolutely raves about it. But I do have to brag about my wife for 10, 15 seconds. Uh, I'm getting together with my entire side of my family. Alex is my, so my mom is a notoriously awful cook, self-admitted awful cook. Grew up having the worst Thanksgivings ever. Like freaking hurt, heated like turkey in the microwave. Like like not good stuff from the deli really really bad thanksgivings and alex my wife is cooking for all 10 11 or 12 of us so she has been prepping for like a week and a half i'm super excited um her stuffing is amazing um i'm excited i'm really stoked that sounds good it also explains a little bit like the the nut thing and your uh inability to have a family member make you good Thanksgiving's uh, food makes a lot of sense about why you don't like Thanksgiving. But uh, so it sounds like sounds like stuffing's kind of your jam uh, of the things that you're going to be. How eating. can you hate stuffing? Like it's just carbs. It's amazing. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I am definitely a sweet potato casserole guy. Um, you got to You got to You got to hit that. So um, I'm looking forward to that. But the turkey. We, I, I'm Brian in the turkey tonight, uh, Nathan, and uh, we did that last oh, walk year. Through it. Walk me through your brand strategy. What's that? Well, you know, it's it's. I don't have much of a strategy. You got a big Brian bag. You got you got salt. I got a bunch of different uh, uh, herbs. Mix it all up. Drop it in there. 12, 16 hours later, what I do do is I make usually make an herb butter. 
and then you slice uh, the skin uh, just above the breast for the turkey, and you slide the butter underneath the skin. So as it's as it's baking, uh, the butter's actually like melting into the breast. The herb butter's melting in the breast. Wow, pretty good. Uh, wow, that was a uh, that was a new innovation last year, and and uh, might do that again this year. So, um, cool. Well gonna be a lot of football gonna be, uh, obviously expect to see uh all of you on twitter tomorrow um, throughout the day as we're cooking and eating and uh watching the games but let's let's do a little bit of a look back to this game against the vikings we did a post game show it was just evan and i so i'd love to hear from jeff and nathan now what did you guys take away from that game Be- oh you mean the eagles what did i say vikings oh yeah i want to talk about the vikings let's talk well, about you, you mean last year yeah, let's talk about this this Eagles game from Sunday, the seventeen nine victory that felt more like thirty one nine. Okay, I can start. Um, I I said last week on the show I was super confident the Seahawks would win that game, and I just thought the Seahawks matched up really well with them. And then Brandon Brooks got hurt, which only added to it. And once Clowney was reported not to play, I was a little worried, but. The game kind of went in the fashion I thought it would in terms of the fact that the Seahawks are just a better team than them, and I've watched the Eagles a lot. They just have looked wonky all year. Um, obviously, the biggest takeaway, again, was the defense, and I know you guys talked about that a lot the other day, and I thought the fact that the defense did play so well for the second game in a row is very promising. Obviously, Ziggy showing up and Griffin showing up, because we've talked about it all year. The Seahawks have, don't really have that speed rusher, and if he's developing into that, um that really makes a big difference for them so defensively kj Wright, i thought played his best game of the year but big picture this team is it's like oh jeff attack like every week the opposite they should have been up oh am i angry Oh no, not again. That was old school Jeff there for a little while. Like my back forgotten that that back. was what used to happen okay. when you talked. I saw I saw your message and I think that might have exploded my computer. Nathan's message. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go again. Finish your okay. last Okay, quickly. Up. Quickly, um the defense was awesome. The Seahawks are a weekly heart attack. Every week there's something new. Why well, I'm just sweating out these games, but they keep finding weird ways to win. And that game was frustrating as hell, but man, the defense is just really promising. I thought there was, as Evan said a bunch of times on Twitter, there's a lot that you can see just going forward and Quandre digs. And there's just a lot of promise coming from a defense that we thought was just hopeless two weeks ago. I love that. We've got the chat who knows you so well, Jeff, that as soon as you started, you know, uh, lagging, we've got vintage Jeff Simmons comments, you know, Jeff Simmons is a cyborg comments. Uh, you are you are well loved uh, okay. by our, our <laughs> Hey man, you've been on quite the streak. You were on like a Russell Wilson to start the season streak. With your internet connection. So all right, well uh, this, this is this is an aberration. This is an aberration. Okay. Um, Nathan, how about you? What 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 does the realist say about the uh, Eagles' uh, loss to the Seahawks last week? Uh. I don't know. It was an ugly game. It wasn't a lot of fun. Um, I, I mean, the big thing is the defense, right? And whether this defense is for real or not. I'm, 
I haven't seen enough. I, I, I picked them to lose this game, and so maybe I should feel better about them pulling this off and the defense looking good. Um, but they had so many injuries. There was so much going on. Um, I just – I'm not quite sold on this defense yet. And so I'm actually maybe, like, losing a tiny bit of confidence with this offense struggling against some of these better defenses and the defense – looking good but like there's a lot to be worried about with with this defense so we're not worried about but there's a lot of caveats at least so that's kind of where i am i'm i'm kind of in wait and see mode um i think this vikings game will be really interesting i don't think it's going to be a lot different um but yeah so i i I don't know for me I, i didn't really have any questions answered and and i think maybe just concerns grew a little yeah, it's funny. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And I, I went that direction a little bit of, well, look what the, the Seahawks defense, you know, this, this, you can't get more of a hampered offense than what the Seahawks face uh, faced against uh, the Eagles. Jeff asleep. <laughs> He's taking a nap. Sleepy Jeff. It's very late in Toronto. Are we going to get Jeff's brother to join again? Uh, we get multiple deaths. <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously, um, the Seahawks defense, no matter whether they're, we don't know if they're as good as they've played the last two weeks, but I think we can say with some confidence that they've played really crappy offenses and crappy offensive, offensive lines, crappy offensive lines during the season and have been terrible. Like they looked really bad against teams. They've gotten zero sacks and zero QB hits against teams like with multiple injuries like so i think that we can at least be encouraged these are both road games these were both games against i mean even the eagles offensive line with the injury situation is not the worst offensive line that the seahawks defense has gone up against um and the 49ers up until that game certainly had not given up i think jimmy garoppolo has been like hit like anyway i can't remember what the stat was but very few times so Yes, I don't think we can, you know, they got to do it more than a couple games, but um, I am pretty encouraged and I am pretty confident that they've, they've gotten much better than they were, whether they're as good as they look, that's another question entirely. Yeah, I think that's, that's really fair because I mean, this is the same defense that, you know, got shredded in, in a half by Matt Shaw that gave up 400 yards to Anthony Dalton, like that, that almost, that not almost, but like, that Steelers game was dicier than it should have, even though it was pretty comfortable the whole way. So like, you know, Mason Rudolph has now been benched for James Blow, Buck Hodges, somebody, I don't know. Uh, James Blow is a real starting quarterback, but I think he's actually the Lions quarterback now. So um, anyways, uh, I think they, I think you can be confident they've improved. I think the question is just how much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's what this week is going to be all about. It's going to be super interesting because the Vikings offense they're legit. We'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. Um, another big story coming out of that game, though, is your boy, Evan, uh, Rashad Penny. And mm-hmm. I know you've been fighting the fight on Twitter um, about what you want to see happen um, after Penny had 14 carries for 129 yards. And I, I sent out a tweet about this. I didn't realize it was this crazy, but he's only had 10 plus carries in four games. And in those four games, he's averaged over seven yards a carry. Um, and in two of those games, he's had over 100 yards 
with, and the most, and he, this was the most carries he'd ever had was 14. So he's had two 100 yard games with 14 or fewer carries. So I think it's a pretty strong case that the guy should be getting, getting some more chances. Um, Evan, I think you feel a little bit more strongly than even that. Where are you at on the Rashad Penny? Yeah, no, obviously I'm super excited about what Rashad Penny showed on, on Sunday, you know, Pete's alluded to it actually spoke pretty specifically to it on, on 710 on the, on the gallant show where he said, you know, um, Penny had, or maybe it was the post-game conference where he said like Penny had once ballooned up to like 238 or something. And it's now back down to like 215, 220, something like that. So it sounds like he's hired a nutritionist. Um, he's a lot lighter on his feet. He says he notices that explosiveness, like burst that he had on that big run as something that he felt has resulted from hiring a nutritionist and really taking care of his body better. Um, But to me, we, this is, this is a tough thing because Chris Carson is a good runner. He's probably a better runner than Rashad Penny right now. I don't think anybody's really disputing that. And I'm a huge Rashad Penny fan. The issue is ball security. We can talk about it till the end of time. We can make excuses till the end of time for Chris Carson. I like Chris Carson, but at the end of the day, he has fumbled eight times this year. The next closest anybody is five times. Eight times in 11 games. Like, I honestly, we're, this is going to be sad to say, we're very lucky Chris Carson has not lost us more games. I'm well, curious I when I say it's important to say more games because I think you could argue that he had a lot to do with the Saints uh, loss. The Saints loss, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I guess my point is like if you roll with Carson as your full starting running back still and you're giving him 80% of the carries and he fumbles in a pivotal moment in the playoffs or something like that, um, damn, it's going to suck. Like, like to me right now, Rashad Penny looks like the better back. I think he's running better. Um, I, I, you sound like I, you, you you sound like you soften your stance here a little bit. You're I, little well, I I can't get over the ball security thing. Like yeah, I know, we have to. You've been, you've been saying like absolutely that Penny should start and Carson should sit. That's what you've been. No saying. question. No question. No question. Okay. Right now, Chris Carson should be the backup running back moving forward. And I'm and, not even kidding. And Nathan, clearly you agree. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No, Nathan just, likes Nathan loves negative running plays, so that's why he wants fumbles. Chris Carson to. That's not even a joke. Fumbles. I love fumbles. They're one of the more exciting football plays. So thank you, Chris Carson. You've brought a lot of excitement. <laughs> you've taken years off my life, but you've brought a lot of excitement to it. Uh, I just want to summarize Evan's argument. Evan, I think what you're saying is that Chris Carson is the better runner, but Penny is the better ball holder. Is that the extent of it? Carson is likely the better runner. I don't think we've seen enough of Penny to really say like definitively though. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Brian just said, like Penny has only had four games in his career with 10, 10 or more carries. Um, we, he just hasn't had a lot of opportunities. Um, and I know you're going to bring up the argument of he has the same fumble rate percentage, whatever. Well, that's not I true don't anymore. think. <laughs> okay. That was going into the Philly game. <laughs> okay. Got it. Well, I, I just think like, I, I think right now Carson's, Carson's issues are mental. I, I really think there's something mentally going on with his, uh, with his confidence in carrying the football and it's Rashad Penny's turn. He's, he's the hot hand. 
give the man but his Evan, shot. Evan, do you, do you like, so I'm, I'm like somewhere right in the middle here, which should, <laughs> shouldn't be a shock. That's where I often find myself, but I mean, I, I actually want to see Rashad Penny get more carries. I do. I, I think he's shown me enough. I like, you know, having a, an explosive runner on there is, is a big deal. And Chris Carson for all the things he is tends not to be a guy that you're going to get big chunk plays from. Um, although he has done that a couple times this season. The thing though, is I think you care about Russell Wilson, don't you? Like you want him to stay in the game. You think he's important. And are you going to talk about Penny's pass pro? He's a, sh he's terrible sure. pass protection. And I mean, that showed up even in the limited carries he got. Uh, that was a, that was a, a thing that, that people noted about him coming out of college. He's now a couple years in clearly has not made a lot of strides there. And I mean, will you trade a hundred yard rusher for, you know, Geno Smith being your quarterback? Let me, let me. Okay. So you bring up a valid point. That's a negative, but like what weighing all these factors of Carson's ball security issues, Rashad Penny's, you know, hot hand is the running back probably being the better, um, you know, ball handler in terms of a ball security issue. And the fact of him just looking really good on Sunday, I think you have to roll with Penny. And if you're worried about Penny and pass pro, then put Chris Carson back in for a, for a, you know, a passing play. Like, that you don't have to keep Penny in there. Yeah, Jeff, you have any you have any uh, strong takes on this one? I'm kind of stumped on this one, to be honest. And early in the year, when everyone was talking about sitting Carson, I was very against it. I'm sort of on Nathan's side of this one, where I don't think that because he's fumbled, he's more likely to fumble in the future. And I don't know if the team is better from sitting on him. So I'm still kind of in that camp. I still think Carson, just because he's fumbled, doesn't mean he's more likely to fumble again. See, I actually disagree with that. You don't okay. think there's any mental confidence, like men, any mental insecurity issues going on right now where he's he's so worried about fumbling that he just does it. You don't think there's any element there? It's possible, but like we, we would have said that last time and he followed that up with his two best games of the season. So I'm kind of stumped. I'm stumped because Penny did look really explosive. We got to talk about the McDonald's thing, by the way. Like, how much time did we spend on his weight last year and then this year he doesn't take his nutrition seriously? Like, that is hard I didn't to hear wrap. the whole thing. I just heard that he said he stopped eating McDonald's. but He said he didn't take his off-season nutrition properly. and he, he did say that, didn't he? Which, considering how much time we spent on his weight issues last year, that was very... That was a big thing last year. He, he came yeah. in out of shape. By the end of the year, he started to look better because he had a... I mean, this is the thing with Rashad Penny. Like, ultimately, this is what happens. Every six to eight games, he has a big run. People lose their mind. And then he goes right back to being Rashad Penny, right? And, yeah, maybe the nutrition thing is real. Like, it seems like it's two years in a row now. But, like, then that introduced a whole new set of concerns about him, right? That's more longer term and less about what you do against the Vikings. But. Well, yeah, I think... I think uh, what we can all expect to see is we're going to get see more Rashad Penny. Yeah. I think we all can agree smart. that that's going to happen. Um, you know, and I think the one of the questions is going to be whether they force it. I think, Nathan, you brought this up in our group chat. And, and you know, do they – I don't know that they're going to force more runs because of Rashad Penny, but um, I do have a feeling that he is going to get 
I think he's going to get another 10 carries. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the, the typical thing. And I, I'm not against it. Um, let's see what happens. And you know, Chris Carson fumble stuff is big, man. That's uh, he's yeah. in good company. A lot of great, great, great backs fumble the ball a lot. Um, but I liked it a lot better when he wasn't fumbling. Um, and the issue is Brian, I'm not sure this team, like this team is good, but I'm not sure they're that good that they could overcome a Carson fumble in a pivotal playoff game against the Niners or something like that. And that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, but Penny, I, Penny hasn't exactly been sure handed. He fumbled. Sure. In the no, I, I agree with you to extent that I think Penny should get more carries than like the four he gets sometimes. And I think it should be a sort of a matchup thing. And I like some of the ways they used them a little more last game. Like I, there was a play early in the game where they pitched it out to the left side. Yep. Where you just run in a straight line. <laughs> that's his strength. I, I, instead of just running him the Carson runs where you try to run him up the middle, that's not really his game. I know his big one came on something like that, but if you can get him to space sort of and get him with Dwayne Brown on some of those pulling outside blocks, mm. I'm okay with that. And I think you should just go in a matchup. You don't need to kind of declare that Penny's the guy now or we're going 50-50. So bottom play. line, are, are we okay with Penny getting 50-50 though? I am. Maybe not 50-50, but at least like... Like 40-60, something be get, like that. He should be getting six to 10 carries every game. Yeah, I'm good with that. Is that different? Than, I mean, that's not really different than what he's been doing. I don't think he's been getting even... Like a lot of games, he's been getting like two carries. Like that's what he got in the 49ers game. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, it could be eight to 12 carries, you know, he's definitely not been getting that many, um, that consistently. So, yeah, I, I'm good with that. There's, there's so, two here. The first question is who is the better running back? That's the more important question. And like, I just, you know, rad Don Penny for showing up every six to eight weeks was a big run, but I, I going back and watching it, like he looked good. And he looked good at, like, he's always done the thing. They, they've drawn up those toss plays for him, and, and he's good at that because the thing with him for a while now is it's been clear he needs a runway, right? So yeah. the thing where he gets to kind of get a runway on a toss play, and then he's got great lateral agility. His, his uh, he's not, he doesn't, like, do the get skinny and, like, make small cuts, but his ability to, like, make 90-degree cuts and maintain speed and burst and all that, that really has his entire career looked special right like that really big run he had early last year against the rams i don't know how early that was fairly early like that was him like literally just turning like 90 degrees and then just bursting and outrunning db so that that's that's a special quality of his game he showed more of the north south the the small adjustments the getting getting skinny type stuff uh, in this game that made me actually, when I rewatched, kind of think, hmm, you know, okay, maybe maybe he can be better than Carson. Maybe he can kind of live up to that first round potential as much as a running back can do that, right? And so if you're going to tell me that your opinion is Rashad Penny is the better running back, then, Rash then start Rashad Penny, right? That's the more important question. But now, if you're not sure or if you think Carson is better, then all we're talking about by limiting Carson's carries is putting – is you're just talking about playing Russian roulette with one bullet instead of two, right? Like the, his fumble rate doesn't go down. He's not any less, less of a risk to fumble on any one play. You're just stretching the fumbles out across more games. 
Well, there is some benefit to that. I mean, sure, but you also can't say that that, that the fumble is going to come in any more or less of a critical situation, right? So you're still. Yeah, I think I think a lot of there's a lot of assumptions in there about. I mean, I I agree with Evan that you know one I think psychology does have something to do with it, whether or not you're going to fumble more often or not. But I do believe that if you're at if your paycheck is it at risk um, and you're going to stop getting snaps and that there is a potential that you will focus more and, and, and fumble less. I think the bigger issue with him correcting it is I think we could see Chris Carson be less of a runner because of it. He could, he could be, you know, less willing to do the things that have made him a special running back in terms of going into contact and going in the middle of the line. And I don't know. I don't want to turn the whole show into a Rashad Penny show because he's not that interesting of a player, to be totally honest. But I mean, I think what we're saying is they, they each have some unique strengths. I think what I'm hearing from you, Nathan, is you think Chris Carson's the better running back. And so why are we putting Rashad Penny in there? I think even I'm guessing even you would admit that there's there are certain types of runs that Rashad Penny is better at than Chris Carson. Right? For sure. And so I think the the challenge for the coaches is how do how do they find ways to take advantage of a player who you as much as anybody else knows like if you can have an explosive play or a play that is gaining you know significantly more yards as a potential that's pretty valuable and so I think I think they have a weapon that looks like he has that he's shown that he's got that potential now it's up to the coaches to see if they can find the right way to weave him in without taking away what Chris Carson's done which has also been pretty damn special so um let's let's start taking a few questions from patrons because there's uh there's a lot to cover and i think we'll start turning our attention to the vikings um uh i do have a couple other player things to bring up but but we'll, we'll, can, we'll can we on pause that. on the running back thing for just one more second of course okay because there's there's a whole there's there's a lot of criticism about us not some of us me evan not giving pete his due not giving pete credit where he deserves it yada 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 uh i think pete has handled this fantastically. And I think he handled the oh Myers thing. I, I mean, I really do. Like, I'm going out of my way to do it because people cry about it and, and get get a little <laughs> that we don't give Pete the love he needs. So we can take a minute and, and give him credit here. I, I don't think there's any other way for Pete to handle this, right? I mean, this is one of the strong points of Pete where he continues, like, whatever it is with Carson, whether it's just technique, whether it's in his head, and the same thing with Myers. His his willingness to just be positive and continue to believe in guys, I really think that that's the right thing to do. There's a million things that we can criticize Pete for, and we do. And so this is one where I think his approach, especially in the media, who knows how he's handling it behind behind closed doors. He could be browbeating Carson and that, that I don't think that'd be the right thing to do. But in the media, in public, I think he's handled both the Carson situation and the, the Myers situation really well. Oh, Evan feels very similar to that, but uh, I, I, Brian, I saw a tear in your eye when he started <laughs> complimenting Pete Carroll. <laughs> I, I just, I look for for even-handedness, and uh, it's nice to know that that those that there, there can be some uh, positive notions r- relative to our, uh, you know, nine and two coach following a ten and six season with a, an unbelievable turnaround that I don't think has probably ever happened. Um, nine and two quarterback, I think, but you know. Anyway. <laughs> I did We're not getting into this. this. We're not getting into this. All part of the same team. Turnaround. They won nine games in 2017. They won unbelievable turnaround. They won one more game. 
and then he crapped the bed in the playoffs. Let's calm down. Like, but that was Pete's best game last week. Given, given like the amount of turnover on this roster and the talent that left this team and either got old, injured, or whatever, uh, for what John and Pete have done over the last two years, look at every other team that has lost even a couple of players. And I mean, look at the Rams, like from what they were last year to what they are this year. And it's, you know, it's two, three players different, really. And Seahawks have lost Hall of Fame quality players across the board and have barely lost a step. Like that's absolutely something you've got to credit to not only the quarterback, but also the coach and the GM that have managed that process. It's not easy. They fired every coach other than the one that they also should have fired in special teams. So like, like that's never happened in the history of the NFL. Find another situation where that's happened. I love that the biggest credit you can give to Pete Carroll is he fired all those bad coaches he had, except for the really bad coach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, guys, I mean, this is this is a repeating pattern where you guys uh, harass me about even giving Pete Carroll any credit. I get credit for saying nice stuff about Pete. I said a nice thing. Even Tom Cable getting any credit. And guess who's got like one of the best offensive lines in the NFL this year? We're not going to talk about that. That causes me pain. I'm just saying, like, you know, there, there's, like, unnecessary toxicity around coaches that have done good things for, for our Seahawks. So I don't, I don't know why we have to only be negative, and that's why I'm appreciating that you were not only negative, Nathan. I do appreciate it. Um, all right. So let's do this. We're going to start with Ryan Cleveland, one of our most loyal patrons. Ryan, it's good to have you. I know you're watching the show. Um, He's got a he's got a couple questions. We're not going to take both of them because um, I think it would take a little bit too long to go through. So, um, I'm going to give dealer's choice. I'm going to ask both questions, and the first person that just, that that uh, jumps in, you know, gets to choose which they want to answer. The first question is why is each of your what is each of your predictions for the NFC playoff seating? We're not going to do all of us, but one of you are welcome to join in, and we can we can debate if we want. Second question is which Seahawks player, what Seahawks player will unexpectedly step up and help push the Seahawks to an NFC West title and one to two seed in the NFC? What was the first question? Predictions of NFC playoff seeding. Mm-hmm. Nathan, why don't you take this one? No, I don't want that one. Jack, I want the other one. one. What about unexpected, which, which Seahawks player will unexpectedly step up? Rasheem Green. Mm, I like that. I think I can't. I want to get behind that guy. I can't, I can't do it for some reason. Why you? Why? Tell me why. Tell me why I should be excited. I think he's had a nice year. I don't think he's had a great year. He hasn't had. I mean, people. I, I don't know. People use the word good in a lot of different ways. I, I probably wouldn't say he's had a good year. I think he's had a nice year. I think he's had a productive year. I think he's had a, especially considering his first year, right? Um, I think he. He's still the athlete he he was, you know, when they drafted him. That's he's still young and all that. Um, and I think you can just see him. He just kind of looks like a professional football player, which is the big thing with him. He he, uh, I mean, he's by no means perfect, but um, his whole thing was that he was really raw. And I, I kind of think what we're seeing him go through right now is he's kind of figuring out all the, 
the details. He's he's kind of doing the dot in his eyes and crossing his T's. And at some point, it's going to click. And all that is going to kind of become second nature for him. And that athleticism that he has is going to be unleashed. Um, it could be this year. It could be next year. It could never happen. Uh, but if you had to make me guess, I would say he's the guy that all of a sudden explodes and kind of takes them to... I can see him be, being a big storyline down down the stretch. I got to chip in real quick. Did you guys see how many pressures he officially logged on Sunday? Was it like six? Seven pressures, one forced fumble, one sack. He obliterated a right tackle on that one sack that he had, which was kind of an ugly finish, but like he still like just blew that guy like <laughs> onto his backside and like three yards back. Yeah, a little punch he made was a really sneaky play. That was a good play. A I really mean, savvy play. I want, I mean, I, I like the guy. I, you know, I had a couple conversations with him. He was excited coming into this year. He said he feels more comfortable actually rushing from the inside than even from the outside. Um, so I just, he, he's not flashed for me um, in general in terms of his athleticism or the way that he's actually, a lot of times he just looks totally handled. And even in the beginning of this game, one of the first times I saw him um, show up was him underneath the pile, like just getting totally owned by, by a tackle on a run play. And so anyway, I, man, it would be so huge. That's a guy that a lot of us talked about. If there was one guy in the preseason, we're like, if one guy could really pick to pop, it would be Rasheem Green. He's so important to this, to where they're going for the roster. So it's, it's really good sign. I think that would be a, a amazing story if he could pop. Um, let's take another one. Uh, this question comes from Silk Monkey, uh, also a very loyal patron. Thanks for uh, supporting at patreon.com slash Uh What concerns you most about the Vikings on each side of the ball? Jeff, you want to go after this one? Uh, sure. Um, I would say defensively, what worries me the most is their edge rushers. And Seattle has had had some trouble picking up blitzes the last couple of weeks. And they they got sacked a lot when they used that spy. And I know they can use Harrison Smith in a similar way that Philly used Malcolm Jenkins. But blocking Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin is always challenging. And Russell Wilson hasn't played as well against the better upper echelon defenses, which I think is a little overstated for the record, but he has struggled a little bit compared to the level he was at before. So I would say that's my biggest area on defensively. Offensively, it would just depends on whether Adam Thielen plays or not. I think those two receivers are probably the best receiving combo in the NFL. Stefan Diggs has had a phenomenal year and he's the kind of corner, he's the kind of route runner that would give our corners problems. But if, he's out the Vikings receiving core really drops off and the Seahawks did a really good job bracketing last year with some like unique packages. So if Thielen's playing, it's just the, the combination of them, but just covering digs, he's the kind of guy, he runs such good routes and he can just blow the game open. I would say it's him. Um, I wanted to check out the box score from last year really quick. If I can find it. Um, uh, I think it's a, I'm actually really excited to see Diggs against this defense. Not because I, I actually have a ton of respect for Diggs. I love who he is as a receiver. Great route runner can go deep short. I think he's just like quintessential what you're looking for in a professional receiver. Um, 
And last year against the Seahawks, he had four catches and six targets for 76 yards, 19 average. He did have a 48-yard catch on, on one of those. So otherwise, I mean, three catches for, you know, what is that, 20, 28 yards or something like that, um, uh, other than the one big one. So uh, I am interested to see how they play. I, I'm excited to see what if Shaquille Griffin gets lined up against him. I think it's a great – I think that could be a great matchup. And I think Shaquille Griffin actually might be able to hold his own. Um, so that, that's one to watch for sure. Um, this question comes from Donna Burton. Um, considering the Vikings run defense, which running back would be more successful against them? Silence. Fantastic uh, answer, everybody. I, I think we nailed it. Let's move. <laughs> Evan, that was like on a platter for you, dude this is this if you can't answer this question then why were you answering the other ones i mean vikings run defense let's assume for a second that linval joseph plays linval joseph their defensive tackle has been you know all pro level in the past has not played that well this year coming off of a um, knee surgery he practiced today they're hopeful he might play not sure um you know this is a this is one of, this is a top 10 run defense um, they've got great linebackers. Um, Michael Kendrick's brother, Eric Kendricks, is, is fantastic. They've got Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith. They're fast. They're strong. Who do you want to see? Who do you think is going to have better success, inside runner and Chris Carson or outside runner and, and Rashad Penny? The answer is I don't want to see either. We have the 20th ranked run blocking unit, and they are, per pro football focus, a top five run defense. This is not the game to run the ball. This is the game. And yes, they have a good secondary, but this is the game to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands again. They actually don't. They've, the the, the Vikings don't have a good secondary? No, they've their, their safety play is pretty decent, but their corners have been really, really bad this year. And I, I Oh, you're right. Last year. I think they're averaging like the third or fifth most passing yards to other receivers, and their average depth of target is really, really – like I think top 10 in the league they're giving up. If you like talk to any Vikings fan, they're really, really down on Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes to an extent who they both, yep. they tried trading both players in the off season. Well, here's, here's one of the crazy things. I mean, I, I, I had the same reaction. I had the both of your reactions. So Evan, they've got really good corners in terms of people that have at least been good in the past, but you know, Trey Waynes, Xavier Rhodes. Um, who's their other guy. That's, that's really good. Um, um uh, missing his name jaron curse is a is a really good corner as well um but here's the facts um at least from footballoutsiders.com vikings rank defending number one receivers 25th in the nfl vikings rank defending number two receivers 13 vikings rank defending all other receivers 25th so that's 25th, 13th, 25th. They also are 18th in defending running backs receiving the ball. So they're really good at defending tight ends. How do they rank defending Jacob Hollister's? Well, I mean, who could possibly hope? Like that there's there's no stat, there's not a large enough sample size because are they in a, a 31 a 31 team tie for last place in defending Jacob Hollister's? I think so. I mean that guy, I don't know. He's tiny. He's like big as a minute, and and somehow he's taking a beating. He took so many big hits against the 49ers. 
And then he started against the Eagles getting bent backwards with like a helmet to helmet and managed to stay in there without a flag being thrown, by the way. He, so let's talk about that play for a hot second. Uh, he destroyed, which is generous. He, he had, he, uh, so he chipped on that play and he took, I don't know if it was a, a linebacker an end and he chucked him, he just pushed him and he happened to hit, hit either the end or the defensive tackle and they both fell over. And so he chips, takes out two defenders catches the ball, breaks the tackle, and then gets crunched and gets up and continues to be Jacob Hollister. He's amazing. He's, he's, uh, he's been a good ad. And it's been funny. I think Pete Carroll, to criticize Pete Carroll, I think Pete Carroll was a big part of the reason Jacob Hollister was not on the roster um, because he's not a blocker. And I don't think he really saw the role that he could play. And you, the part of the reason I'm saying that is because he played really well in, in uh, training camp and didn't make the cut. And when asked, this is back when Disley was healthy and they had Nick Vanette asked about Jacob Hollister uh, directly. He was like, yeah, he's a different type of tight end and was very dismissive about Hollister. And it was pretty clear. He's talking about the fact that he's, he's not a blocker. And now you hear Pete Carroll, like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's a tough, tough little SOB, you know? Right. And, and you, you've seen that happen. Like it's kind of Pete does this stuff. I think he did it with um, Puna last year where he's skeptical about some guys for some odd reason. And then they show up and they play well. And he's like, Oh yeah, they are pretty good. So like, uh, there's definitely uh Hollister's another example. I think of, I don't know for sure, but my instinct is that Pete Carroll's part of the reason that uh, he didn't show up. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, important note there though. I think Jeff brought up about the Vikings past defense. It, it is, has not been great against wide receivers. Mike Zimmer actually came out this week being really critical about the way that his secondary played against the Broncos. So um, I think you're right, Evan. I think it is interesting. We didn't really answer the question from Donna. So I will. Um, I, I think to me, it's, it's not one or the other. It's both. Uh, you know, I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but I, I want to see them test the in inside of that line. And I want to see them test the outside um, and, and see which one is more successful. Don't just do one thing and keep banging your head against a wall. Um, next question is from Jack Cruzan. Uh, Dalvin Cook has 100 yards and a touchdown over under. Um, which are you taking? 100 yards and a touchdown. Are you taking the over or are you taking the under? Anybody? Oh, you're on mute there, Nathan. It would be fascinating if you were speaking. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm really enjoying our running back takes today. They're top notch. I know. This is why I'm coming to you with this one. <laughs> oh wait, you're coming to me with this? Yeah. Uh, well, Hundred yards, touchdown, over or under? Let me pull up their DVOA on the against the run on defense and see. Uh, well, I will tell seven you. Seven keys run really? Uh, no, I mean this defense has been awful. I don't know why that surprised me. Um, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go push. hundred yards, one touchdown. That's the, the, the type of, uh, you know, that's bold. Really exciting take that, that, that everyone wants to hear. That's um, the boldest possible take. What, that, that he gets a hundred yards and a touchdown? On the dot. <laughs> I think uh, it's important to note with the Seahawks that, um, their rush defense after giving up 157 yards in the ground and six and a half yards of carry to Cleveland and 199 yards in the ground and 5.7 to Baltimore. Um, 
they basically given up over four and a half yards of carry from week five um, until, well, I guess week four, excuse me, until week seven. Um, so they, they'd gone like four or five games in a row, giving up a lot of yards per carry. And then the last three games, it's been on a significant downward trend. Um, against Atlanta, it was 4.1 yards a carry, 69 total yards rushing. Uh, Tampa is 3.8 yards per carry, um, uh, 99 yards total. Uh, San Francisco, 3.2 yards a carry, 87 yards total. So um, for some so reason, does that, does that correlate with Jaron Reed coming back? It does. Hmm. It does. Yeah. That's um, not exactly because. Yeah. Uh, Puna's, KJ Wright had a really good game last week. He did. 12, 13 tackles, something like that. I saw, I saw Shield mentioned him on his uh, all 22 takeaway. That was his number yeah. one takeaway, but he's still good. He's been bad this year. Yeah, I feel like he hasn't played that well for most of the year, and everybody was kind of shitting on me for that, but I don't think he's going to be a Seahawk in 2020, but that's a different topic. KJ, right? Yeah, I don't think so. His contract is very, just from a contractual perspective, it doesn't, they would save like $6.5 million if they cut him next year. Um, it's kind of a high salary for his age. All right. We're going to go rapid fire. Cause there's a couple things I want to get to as well. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to answer these in a lightning round and you guys can jump in if you feel differently. Good. Uh, Adam Carthu, should Josh Gordon be getting more targets than DK with DK's drops? No. DK, DK Metcalf is earning those and Josh Gordon's got to, I don't think Josh Gordon's shown anything yet that makes me think that he needs more targets than DK. Oh, I don't know if Josh Gordon needs more targets than DK, but I don't know why we're harping on Chris Carson when DK has a drops problem. Like that's oh. just not arguable, arguable anymore. It's been like three, four weeks in a row now where he has had a lot of drops. It's a problem. I don't think that's true. I mean, he well, a fumble. He's had a fumble. That's different than a drop. He dropped a big catch in the Niners game. He dropped catches in the uh, Eagles game. He's had drops. And part of it is that they, they force the ball to him on, on plays that they shouldn't. And they just kind of need to recognize what he is and isn't good at. Uh, but DK has had drops. And I think that I, – I don't know if Gordon is good enough to beat him out yet. But I think that it's it, – we've seen enough of it now that it's a problem and he needs to get better. I would give him a pass for the Eagles game, though. I really think the win played a major factor. Even Pete said it in the post-game conference was like he's trying pass, to track them. I think it's it's a it's an explanation, but you still got to be able to catch the ball. I mean, sure, right? What was well, that? Brought it in, didn't he? I'm just teeing that one up. So, <laughs> no comment. It was uh, actually actually I okay okay. I'll give credit where it's due. That was an amazing throw by Russell Wilson. Oh, come on. <laughs> it was really was good. A, it was an amazing throw. <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing And catch. a good catch. Malik Turner updated numbers, 10 catches in 12 targets. Um, that's not a drops problem. I'll be very yeah. clear about that. I would like to see Gordon get more targets, though. Maybe not more than DK, but he looks serviceable. He, he made another good catch on third down. 
he did. I was disappointed in his game on Sunday, though, guys. Like, there was a play Russell threw to him, and he just looked lost trying to find the ball. Like, I just thought that they'd be able to get him more involved. I mean, and uh, I don't know. I, I was pretty disappointed in how, how he showed up on Sunday. DK or, or Gordon? Josh Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the way Tyler Lockett was really barely there, like, they really – Josh Gordon was the most experienced professional receiver on that field for the Seahawks. Um, that was healthy. And uh, I don't think he did that much to help the team, which was disappointing. Um, all right, let's keep going. Katie Bourne, uh, in your opinion, what is the most problematic, what is, which is more problematic, Chris Carson fumbles or DK drops? There you go, Nathan. I knew this was coming up. Um, uh, for me, it's, it's the fumbles. Drops are not turnovers. <laughs> um neil cruz uh thank you for supporting neil thank you for supporting katie uh fill in the blank pick the best one this year's games have been uncomfortably close because of i'll fill it in for evan and for nathan which it will be pete carroll um uh jeff this year's games been uncomfortably close because of um Silly mistakes from the players and the coaches. Okay. Um, next, this is Michael Hendrickson. Um, thanks for your support, Michael. I'm putting in this question late, but what the heck? Minnesota has been running lots of 12, uh, 12 personnel, 21, and 22 personnel, almost 70% of the time. Well, that's a lot of different personnel groups, so that doesn't surprise me that they'd be doing that 70%. But anyway. They're all like two tight end and two running back groups, though, right? Yeah, well, two wide receiver groups. What is it again? So, so the first number is it's running backs. Second number is tight ends. Yeah, it's alphabetical. So, um, uh, twelve personnel is one running back, two tight ends, um, and one wide receiver. Is that right? No, two. Two wide receivers. Two wide receivers. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers, 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends, and one wide receiver. Right. Um, so how would you expect the Seahawks to counter these heavy offensive sets? I don't know that I'd call those heavy. Um, anybody want to jump in on this one? Jeff, this is a you question. You're an X's and O's guy. Uh, well, that's tough because those are not; those are three different personnel groups, and none of them I would call heavy personnel. Yeah, um, generally, when you have an extra lineman on the field, you know you're getting up to six linemen. Yeah, two tight ends is a pretty regular. Yeah, two tight ends, three tight ends, or an extra offensive lineman would be generally considered heavy. Um, let's talk about two tight end sets. How do you think the Seahawks are going to line up? And, and let's let's broaden this out for a second and help help Michael here a bit. Um, Akeem King played nickel um, instead of Ugo Amadi last week, partially because the Eagles had no receivers and they had two good tight ends. This week, you've got Kyle Rudolph, who's getting very little attention. Everyone's talking about Thielen and they're talking about Diggs, talking about Dalvin Cook. Rudolph's good. And you've got Irv Smith. Is that his name? Irv Smith, right? Yeah, from Alabama. Um, so assume those guys are getting a lot of play. Do you, do you expect the Seahawks to go with Akeem King again at nickel? Yeah, probably. And the thing with the Vikings is they don't really have a three receiver set that they play very often. And if you notice the personnel groups 
their last uh, question just mentioned, it's they just don't really have a third receiver, even when Phelan and Diggs are going. They've gone through like Laquan Treadwell and this guy BB. So Ugo Amadi is a better fit for a traditional three receiver look team. Like you're going to see the Rams coming up where they can kind of run that quick slot receiver. That's where Ugo probably fits better. Yep. Against the two tight ends, they're either going to go with King, who's had success guarding tight ends, or maybe if you need to get like the dime look, but get Blair on the field and get Diggs on the field with McDougald and King as well. Maybe that's how you guard them. All right. Uh, one more question here. Uh, this comes from – go this ahead. This is actually a really interesting question, and I, I don't really have a good answer for it, but I think that what's interesting about it is that Seattle really wants to play base. And these are formations that will that Seattle will feel comfortable playing base against. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see whether that is something that Minnesota can exploit. Like, can they keep Seattle in base, which hasn't been hard to do this year? And then, and then you know, if, Te- if Steelen is healthy, Diggs has had a, a, a really good year. Cousins has been really hot and cold. You know, that's potentially a disaster for Seattle where they can start to exploit uh, Seattle leaving too many linebackers on the field, right? Now, the flip side of that is you play base against those formations for a reason, right? It makes sense. So maybe Seattle will match up well in that respect. So I don't know how it plays out. I don't know what the right thing for Seattle to do against this is, but I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see which way that coin flips. Yeah, I, I think it's true. And, and there's a good question here from Joey who asks uh, – what we think the impact will be of Quandre Diggs having familiarity with the Vikings personnel, having played for Detroit for all these years um, and been in that division. Do we think that helps them, you know, any more than they already would have just having Diggs in the lineup? I mean, maybe slightly like that veteran presence. Sure. But I think to answer the questions in, in sort of a roundabout way, you know, one undertalk storyline over the past few weeks is how good Diggs has been for this team. I think Brian, you had mentioned in the in the Real Hawk Talk chat that, or maybe it was in the maybe it was in a post conference. I don't know where I, I where I categorize these things in my brain, but uh, Diggs said he was like having to worry less about, uh, or no, Bradley McDougal said he was having to worry less about the free safety and where he was lining up or something like that. And if you look at it, like on his pro football focus grades, it, it backs that up. So McDougal's McDougal's coverage grades have been significantly better the last two games since he had digs out there helping him out. And to even go back to a previous question that was asked of, Hey, what, who's in, who's a potentially, you know, surprising contributor towards a deep playoff run. It's already kind of Quandre Diggs. There is, I want to talk about Diggs a little bit more. There's one more question from Ryan and he says, when is that guy, Evan, going to acknowledge that Brian was completely right about Ziggy Ansa and Malik Turner? Is that a real question or did you make that up? I, I'm just reading it, reading it out loud. Okay. Uh, we have a question here from not Brian's burner about how right Brian. <laughs> you a comment on that one? No, you were right, Brian. Good Brian call, especially Benhauser. <laughs> Brian, good call on the Ziggy thing. You you did call that though. You uh, uh, said I mean, he was going to have a breakout game, and he did. 
there's absolutely no one asking that question. So um, I, I, I do want to know, like, with what we've seen now, um, do any of you feel differently about ANSA? Like, do you think that, do you feel more hopeful than you did before? Like, or do you think that that was just not repeatable what we saw on Sunday? Am I no, more hopeful? I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. I need to chip no, in real quick. I, I have been as negative as Ziggy Ansa all year. I did predict the pass rush would come along eventually. But two weeks ago, I didn't think there was a chance in hell that was going to happen. So I thought there was a lot of things that Ansa finally looked like the guy he was in Detroit for the first time all season, where they talked about his size and his power. I thought that came back. And we saw him bull rushing Jason Peters was one of the stronger tackles in the league and that was nothing like the guy we've seen the first 10 weeks and so he did see you saw qualities in him that you saw you saw the quick first step you saw the explosive athleticism that sack that got taken away by that phantom holding penalty he used his long arms to just power through them that was a, a kind of athletic play that looked more like clowny than ansa so i thought there was a lot of repeatable qualities i i don't know if it's going to happen again but I think I'm a lot more excited than I would have been because I didn't see that coming. He could have had two and a half sacks, which was bigger than our over-under for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's completely speculative, but I feel like he looks healthier. And if Jadavian Clowney is um, dealing with a potential sports hernia and playing through some some injury and pain issues, Ziggy Ansa's, you know, I guess revival, you could say, would be huge for this pass rush. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the question, guys. And and it's, you know, jokes aside about, I mean, I had I had a feeling. There was no basis, no evidence at all for it. It was just a gut. And But now we did see something from him. We don't know what we got with Clowney. I mean, how confident do any of you guys feel that he's going to play on Monday? And if he does play, how confident do you feel like he's going to be able to play the rest of the year? My thought is he's going to play, but he's not going to look like the clowny we saw against the Niners. I think he's probably going to be playing at 75%. That's a complete, again, complete speculation. But the, the you know, he's playing through some, it sounds like he's playing through some significant pain and practicing through some significant pain. The doctor he visited specializes in sports hernias. This is not a good thing. This is bad, very bad. Yeah, do not do Google searches for sports hernias and prognoses and recoveries and impact to longevity of careers in the NFL. It's not good. It's not encouraging. Don't do it. Um, so let's hope that it's not that because they haven't really said it's a sports hernia yet. They've just applied it something like that. But uh, Pete Carroll said it was like it was with the sports hernia stuff or something like that. What the hell? Let's, let's give Pete another some more credit here. The way Pete talks about injuries is fantastic. <laughs> you learn In, nothing. It's you and, learn you you lose intelligence. You lose anatomy knowledge. It's and true. not only that, not only that, Pete Carroll is an incredible liar. Incredible. Oh, yeah, I was oh say, he completely lies. He's a com- Pete Carroll is a manipulative son of a bitch. We're on to you, Pete. <laughs> let's, let's We're on to you. We're going to give Pete some credit here, all right? Nobody lies with a giant smile on his face quite like Pete Carroll. Yeah, you kind of right. get the feeling that he just gets off his press conference and he goes back and he's like, John, guess what I got that got them to believe this week? <laughs> like, I, I honestly, 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 honestly believe that he's full of shit about Ziggy Onza. I don't think he's gained weight or been like doing, so, like, I think, it is random that Ziggy, like Ziggy Onsen needed a certain amount of time from his injury or, 
whatever. I, I don't think there's any magical program he's on that's got him here. Like, I don't know. I think what would be actually more amazing than that is if they were if what's really true is that like sent him to they sent him to Orange Theory for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've got this uh, new uh, cycling class. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine seeing Ziggy onset Orange Theory? Um, so uh, all right, we got it. We got to get down to it about this game this week. Um, uh, See, so actually playing the Vikings Monday Night Football, eight and three Vikings. I think this is the best offense that the Seahawks have faced really all year. Obviously the Baltimore game is, um, you know, stands out, but that was in the rain. And, you know, I don't think we necessarily saw the best Baltimore offense and the Baltimore offense isn't as balanced. I mean, the, the Vikings offense has all their skill position players are good. Um, so at the same time, the Vikings offense hasn't played almost any good defenses. And when they have played good defenses, they've not done well. So um, not to see, we don't know if the CX defense is good or not. Right. But um, how are you guys feeling about this matchup? Where do you guys feel like the Seahawks have an advantage? Jeff, we'll start with you. Quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson is a lot better than Kirk cousins and Kirk cousins had had his moments this year. I, I, I saw some people even mentioning for like MVP a couple weeks ago, but he has some like golf Jimmy G qualities where if you get around him, he can play really, really poorly. And there was times this year where like the receivers were like mute. They're on like a mutiny from him at the beginning of the year. And Russell's one of the best players in the entire league. Kirk is a hot and cold player. That's to me, the biggest difference between these two teams. <laughs> Evan, explain that face. Yeah, no, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think the pass rush is set up to have a really big day. And I'll tell you why. The Vikings pass uh, pass protection is ranked like 25th in the NFL um, or in that range, depend, depends on which advanced metric you choose. Um, if the Seahawks can apply consistent pressure to Kirk Cousins, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be able to beat you. He's sort of like the – I know he's having a good year, but he sort of reminds me of Jimmy G in that, like, if he's not facing pressure and he has a good offensive line, sure, he'll throw all over you. But if he's getting pressured, if he's getting sacked, he's going to have a very long day. So I think I think the competitive um, edge that the Seahawks have, obviously, outside of quarterback, is if their pass rush can continue what they've seen over the past two weeks – Kirk Cousins is going to be in for a long day. But outside of that, um, and to answer a question you didn't ask, I really want to see a complete game from this team. It has been a couple weeks since we've seen a really productive day from this offense. And I know we've sort of given them pass, at least I have sort of given them grace and passes over the past couple of weeks because they were so good weeks one through nine. It's time to pick it up again. This is a good defense. Let's Let's see you get back into the rhythm. Let's have a complete game from the defense and the offense. And let's just – can we just blow out this – can we can we just blow out this Vikings team at home? That would be huge. That would be huge. And the really interesting thing you touched on, we're going to get to you here in a second, Nathan, is um, Vikings offensive line is not that good. It's just not. Um, and I don't think either their tackles are that great. Um, I, I think that their center is, you know – really not very good at all um i don't think their guards are that great but one of the things the vikings have been doing is they've been 
passing the ball quickly. Kirk Cousins has been getting rid of the ball fast enough that people haven't been able to get to him. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, Nathan, you wrote about this early in the year, and then we followed back up on it. I feel like the quick passing game has completely left the Seahawks. Like, where is that? Like, it was so effective in Pittsburgh. And now I just feel like the, the Eagles game, that was the one thing that I would criticize from a coaching, well, not the one thing, but it's one of the things I criticize from a coaching perspective is there's a lot of deep drops, a lot of holding on to the ball. Like, that, where was, where was the quick passes? I, I wish I had an answer for you. I, I don't know. That was actually something that I was thinking about today, too, rewatching that game and, and just kind of, <clears throat> yeah, marveling at the comparison between those early games, uh, especially that Pittsburgh game. And, I mean, the Pittsburgh game, like we talked about it at the time, right? They're Blitzburg, so they took advantage of that. They, they were looking to exploit, you know, how many people – Pittsburgh are, are, is willing to send and not everything's like that but I mean it has evaporated for for the worst it's, it's now swung the other way it feels like I, I didn't actually get a chance to look at the numbers I was going to do that and then I got distracted but um against the Niners and against the Eagles they've gone back to that like extreme play action two or three wow. routes everything's going deep so um you know I mean uh getting back to the question about you know where the advantage is it's definitely rest but you know, talking about Kirk Cousins, it's it's hard to say with this team because the Vikings have been extremely Jekyll and Hyde, and that's mostly been about, you know, Kirk Cousins being really up and down. I mean, they've had good games against good defenses. I mean, they, they scored 28 against the Cowboys, who are talented, even if they haven't always, you know, kind of lived up to that. They scored 27 against the Broncos, who have been pretty good. They put up 38 against the Eagles, that was, you know, Seattle just struggled with, so... You know, I mean, and then there's the flip side. They put up a six against the Bears. They scored only 23 and kind of lost a more defensive game against the Chiefs, right? So it's hard to say what you're going to get out of this Vikings team. And and it's hard to say what you're going to get out of the Seattle team, right? Are we going to see MVP Russ? Are we going to see a dominant defense? Are we going to see one or the other? Are we going to see neither? So um, I think Russ is definitely going to be the key still, but I, I, it's really hard to predict. Well, I mean, when I made that comment about when they played good defenses, they haven't done well. So, so based off of defensive efficiency, you know, on Warren Sharp's site, Sharp Football Stats, they played the fourth-ranked defense in Chicago. They scored six points. They lost. They played the sixth-ranked defense in the Eagles. They scored 38 points in one. So they definitely they put up a bunch of points there. I haven't looked at that game. I don't know how much that was turnovers or other things that led to that, but they did. They played the 12th-ranked Chiefs defense, um, scored 23 points, and lost. Um, and they played the ninth ranked Broncos defense and they scored 27 points in one, but they scored, I think, zero points in the first half. Am I right on that? Something yeah. along those lines, right? Nothing in the so they, they well, were what do you do with that. Like, so you can say like on the one hand, they scored zero points in the first half, but you can turn that right around and be like, well, they scored 27 against the ninth best defense in the half. Yeah. I'm just saying like the rest of their games, you're talking about every other defense is pretty much ranked. 25th or lower like they're they they have played a very soft defensive schedule um from an offensive standpoint and when they've played a better defense those have been their tough games other than the eagles game so like cousins went 22 at 29 for 333 yards and four touchdowns and a pick against the eagles and i think his line was similar against the broncos uh 29 to 35 for 319 and three touchdowns so 
I mean, he kind of shredded those two defenses. But I agree, like they're all over the place as a team. I, you know, I'm 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 grasping a little bit for like um, where I can see some weakness because look, that's the first thing I said. This is the most talented offense I think the Seahawks have faced maybe all year in terms of all the skill players, in terms of how they attack, the balance they have on run and pass tight end wide receivers running back like there's a lot of ways that they can attack you it's going to be a handful and here's the thing guys i think that people are saying oh this is the game where we get to find like really is the seahawks defense like great i'm not expecting the seahawks defense to like hold them down the way they held down the eagles like and i'm not saying expecting to have the same game they had against the 49ers i am hoping that they don't look like the shit that we've seen against like the falcons in the second half or you know, the bucks where like, it was like, basically there was no resistance. It was just the offense going up and down the field. So I'm hoping we see a backbone is really what I'm hoping from the defense. And then I think you're right, Evan, like it's time for the offense to wake up. Like this is no matter how good the defense plays this year. I think all of us believe the offense is going to determine whether this is a Super Bowl team or not. You know, are we agreed on that, that this is an offense? Absolutely. And, and honestly, they can't afford to take any longer of a break. It's been including the bye week, three weeks since we've seen a really strong offensive performance. It's time to show out again, especially if Russell Wilson wants that MVP award. All right. Well, let's go ahead, Jeff. So if DK catches that deep pass, though, are we still talking about a bad offensive game? No, we are not. I think that's a little overstated. I don't think they played poorly against San Francisco, given how good that defense is. I thought they were fine. I didn't think Russ made a lot of bad throws in that game. He held onto the ball a little bit too much in this Eagles game, but if he hits that Hollister touchdown and that Metcalf and he has three touchdowns and 270 yards or something. I know where you're coming sure. from. I know you're coming. It's hard though. When you have four turnovers, right. Um, you yeah, know, Russ went one was really a punt. one, one interception before he's had an interception in each of the last two weeks. Right. You've got DK fumbling. You've got DK dropping passes. You've got Carson fumbling. Like there's, there's a, and then, and then you've got like ridiculous penalties, like shooting yourselves in the foot yeah, um, type of stuff. So I think you've got, none of these things are like, wow, this offense isn't good. I don't think it's that kind of problem, but it is, they haven't been great. Like they've been getting in their own way from being great. And I think if you could see a game, if they could play this week, if they, if I was to tell you that the CX are going to have zero turnovers, and let's say that they have no more than like one or two drops. I think most of us would feel like the Seahawks would probably find a way to put up 25 plus points against almost anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think just points really good, right? You can look at four plays that suddenly Russ is running away with MVP. Maybe like the DK fumble against the Niners, the, weird russ Afedi fumble duo returned for a touchdown the hollister missed and like that was just pure that was just on russ right like i still don't understand what he was doing there and, and you know dk's had a couple drops so like you know if you take just those four plays back and they wide open throw to hollister yeah so yeah the whole yeah that's what i meant the hollister throw yeah yeah. Oh, that one. I thought you were talking about the one that we got picked off in the 49ers game. No, 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 no. The one where Halster is wide open in the end zone and Russ just like airmails it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, you, you know, you're talking about four plays where suddenly this offense looks great. This defense has looked great. And you're like, this is maybe the best team in football. Well, even just in the Eagles game, DK catches the ball. Hollister gets a touchdown or Russ runs it in either one. You're talking about a 31 to nine game. Mm. That's the way it felt. That's the way it felt. It should have been. So, 
where are you guys at for this game? Let's go around uh, for, for predictions as we uh, start closing it out. Um, Evan? I'm going to go Seahawks 27, Vikings 23. I think it's a fairly high-scoring game. I don't think our defense is going to have a good day, but I think our offense does bounce back from a rough couple of weeks. Nathan? 19-17. I think this is an ugly game. I think the Vikings win. I kind of think the Vikings maybe just blow this team out. I, I could see a repeat of the Saints game. Uh, but I, I'm nervous about this one. Uh, I, I don't think Seattle wins. All right, Jeff. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the uh, Vikings, they've changed their offense this year. Do they have Gary Kubiak there and they have a new offensive coordinator? So they, they use a lot more play action. So teams have had success against Seattle doing that. But I just, I think, like you guys are saying, I think Russ is due for a big game. Uh, he plays well in prime time. So I'm going to go 31 to 27 Seahawks. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely. So, so there's part of me where I look at the Vikings. I think this is going to be the toughest game the rest of the year. Um, I know they have the 49ers at home. Um, I don't think the Rams clearly are, are the team that they once were. Um, I think the Panthers, you know, they've got some flaws. The Cardinals at home, I think, you know, you can handle them, even though they're much better. Um, and the Vikings just had the Packers lost. They see the division right in front of them. So I think, I think not hard to convince me that the Vikings are going to be a really tough team to beat. At the same time, my overarching feeling is Russell Wilson, prime time, has been, I think, down a couple of weeks. Part of me just feels like they have not played their home game yet they're starting to feel themselves in terms of how the defense is playing. I think Quandre Diggs is first start at home. Jadavian Clowney, if he can get out there, like part of me just feels like this could be the moment where the Seahawks really announced to all of us that we can not breathe easy, but we can, we, it's safe to believe like, and I think they're get they're right on the cusp of that. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go going away. I think 31 was the number I had in my head as well, Jeff. I'll go with, I'll go with 30 to 14 um, Seahawks win this one. That would be like far and away the best one of the year, right? It would be like that. That would be the Niners win. Like probably not in terms of gratification, but in terms of just like what it I don't think anything can beat the Niners win for so many reasons. Um, well, like emotionally, nothing will be that not that Niners game. But like if, if they beat this Vikings team 30 something to 14, that's much more indicative of the quality of the team in that Niners game, right? I disagree. God, they I won disagree. that game on a missed kick. Like, but it, but it was in San Francisco. Like, that's a big, that's a big, uh, and the 49ers have dominated teams. Domi- like, I just think the, the, the talent level overall for the, I, I think the 49ers defense is more intimidating than any part of the Vikings team overall. Like, I think that defense is remarkable. I even think the 49ers run game is maybe better than, than any other part of the, the Vikings team. Um, and the Seahawks showed out against both of those things. So, I don't know if I'd go with you. I, I agree with your general point, though. Like, yeah, you guys are nitpicking here. 
I, I'm saying that this this will be the moment where the Seahawks get out of their own way and show us like show us what they really are. Um, and, I, and I have a feeling it's going to be a good thing. Partially because I'm going to be there having had a few drinks. Um, I'm I think I'm going to be on the air with Softy uh, at Jimmy's on first beforehand if if uh, traffic allows it. So um, it's going to be a good night, guys. This is good. I, I think this is going to be a good night. Um, Mike Zimmer's yet to beat Pete Carroll. Um, Seahawks are three and zero against the Vikings in their last three games. I think they've. I know they've won at least their last four against the Vikings. So um, let's hope. Let's hope that all of us, other than Nathan, are right for all sorts of reasons, because that's always fun. Um, and and I, I think we all wish everybody that's watching the show, everyone that's uh, contributing, um, have a wonderful holiday. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving wherever you are. Um, if you if you're with other folks, we hope you uh, have a great time with them. If you're not with anyone, just know that we're uh, we're thinking about you um, and wishing you the best. Um, eat your turkey, eat your yams. Don't listen to Evan. Um, sweet potato casserole is money pecan pie is fantastic it's the weirdest thing in the world that tastes fantastic because it's a really weird consistency but if you heat it vanilla ice cream it's crazy good so uh thank you guys thanks for a great season up until this point um patreon.com hawkblogger leave us a um, comment subscribe up here on youtube on spotify uh on itunes on google play all those places so uh, thank you guys. Have a great night and uh, go Hawks.